Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. In this week's headlines, three federal judges have now blocked a new rule announced by the Health and Human Services Department that would allow healthcare professionals to deny service to LGBTQ people. The straight pride event in Dallas was the biggest fail yet. And singer-songwriter Tom Goss's new album explores new emotional territories. All that and more in this episode of The Randy Report. A wedding photographer in Louisville, Kentucky, has filed a lawsuit challenging the city's fairness ordinance, saying it forces her to use her artistic talents to promote same-sex wedding ceremonies. The photographer, Chelsea Nelson, asks in the lawsuit that the city not only stop enforcing the 20-year-old ordinance, but also requests compensatory damages. In the filing, Nelson's lawyers from the anti-LGBTQ legal organization Alliance Defending Freedom assert the law would force Chelsea to create photographs for, blog about, and participate in solemn ceremonies she disagrees with, same-sex wedding ceremonies. Said her lawyer Jonathan Scruggs, she believes that marriage should only be between a man and a woman. Scruggs added, The way Louisville's law works, because Chelsea wants to photograph and blog about weddings between a man and a woman, it requires her to do the same type of thing to celebrate same-sex wedding ceremonies, and that's just wrong. Hmm. The lawsuit claims the ordinance violates the First Amendment, which protects religion, speech, assembly, and the press, as well as the Fourteenth Amendment, which says the government cannot deprive any person of life, liberty, or property— Without due process of law, Louisville's Metro Ordinance 92.05 states it is an unlawful practice to deny someone full and equal enjoyment of goods, services, privileges, advantages, and public accommodations based on their race, color, religion, nationality, disability, gender identity, or sexual orientation. The ordinance also prohibits communications that suggest a person could be discriminated against on the above criteria. Now, here's the thing, though. No same-sex couple has ever approached Nelson to photograph their wedding, let alone bring charges against her through the Fairness Ordinance. Not one. Scruggs calls the lawsuit a preemptive strike saying his client just wants clarity just in case a same-sex couple might approach her for their nuptials. But Chris Hartman, director of the local LGBTQ advocacy group The Fairness Campaign, calls the filing a fishing expedition that basically amounts to a frivolous lawsuit, noting ADF's predilection of running back and forth across the country representing anti-LGBTQ clients Hartman likened the legal action to throwing spaghetti at the wall in their attacks on the LGBTQ community, hoping something will stick. Hartman points out that the Fairness Ordinance prohibits not only discrimination based on sexual orientation, 
but bias based on religion or color. Hartman told the Courier-Journal, What they are challenging in this lawsuit is a provision that has been well accepted in civil rights statutes across the entire nation for more than 50 years, which says that a business may not post on its business front, or I suppose in this case on its website, that it will not serve protected classes of people. He added, This has been an instrumental part of civil rights law since the Civil Rights Act passed in 1964. A third federal judge has ruled against the Trump administration's proposed change in regulations, which would allow health care providers to deny care that offends deeply held religious beliefs. Read that as legalizing discrimination against LGBTQ people. U.S. District Judge William Alsup of the Northern District of California ruled this week that the new denial of care rule is, quote, not in accordance with law by reason of conflict with underlying statutes. Wrote Alsup in his decision, when a rule is so saturated with error as here, there's no point in trying to sever the problematic provisions. The whole rule must go. Previously, Judge Paul Inglemeyer of New York and Judge Stanley Bastion of Spokane, Washington, also found the religious exemption rule announced by the Department of Health and Human Services would violate several federal laws. Alsop wrote in his ruling, Under the new rule, to preview just one example, an ambulance driver would be free on religious or moral grounds to eject a patient en route to a hospital upon learning the patient needed an emergency abortion. Such harsh treatment would be blessed by the new rule. The so-called conscience protection rule would also expand the categories of workers who could choose to refuse to serve the public to include people like receptionists, accounting staff, and emergency responders. Plus, the federal government would be allowed to cut funding to states or employers who might not respect the religious exemption to the degree sought by the Trump administration. Judge Alsup made note that there are also federal laws already in place to provide for accommodating a health care provider's religious or conscientious objections to some procedures like abortion. Health and Human Services announced the proposed rule change in May, and it was set to take effect this Friday. But Judge Inglemeyer's ruling in New York two weeks ago blocked the regulation. This doesn't end the assault on LGBTQ people's rights by the Trump administration, though. Earlier in November... Health and Human Services shared plans to allow faith-based adoption or foster care organizations who receive federal funds to decline to place children with LGBTQ families. Plus, the Trump administration is still working to remove parts of the Affordable Care Act that prohibits discrimination against transgender people. Speaking at a breakfast event today, Senator Kamala Harris of California said South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg came off a bit naive when he brought up the discrimination experienced by LGBTQ Americans as part of his response to a question about his difficulty attracting support from black voters at Wednesday's Democratic debate. A recent Quinnipiac University poll showed Mayor Pete currently draws 0% of African American voters in South Carolina. CBS News reports that during a black women power breakfast hosted by Higher Heights, a national political organization for black women that endorsed Harris earlier this month, Harris said it was wrong-headed for Buttigieg to compare our struggles. She said, 
Those of us who have been involved in civil rights for a long time, we know that it is important that we not compare our struggles. It is not productive, it is not smart, and strategically, it works against what we need to do, which is build a coalition. We know that in our ongoing fight for civil rights, if any one of us starts to differentiate ourselves in a certain way, and in particular what he did on the stage, it's just not productive, and I think that's a bit naive. Backstage after the debate last night, Harris told CNN, I'm never going to engage or allow anyone to engage in comparing struggles. I think that's just misdirected. So we're going to now say that my pain is worse than your pain? We had 400 years of slavery in this country. We had years of lynching, which involved black men in particular being dragged from their homes and hung on a tree, often castrated. Ironically, that sounds like Harris is the one comparing struggles among marginalized communities. During the fifth Democratic debate on Wednesday night, Mayor Pete agreed with Harris that the Democratic Party has sometimes ignored black women voters until elections roll around. He added that he looked forward to connecting with black voters. He said, While I do not have the experience of ever having been discriminated against because of the color of my skin, I do have the experience of sometimes feeling like a stranger in my own country, turning on the news and seeing my own rights come up for debate. He added, wearing this wedding ring in a way that couldn't have happened two elections ago lets me know just how deep my obligation is to help those whose rights are on the line every day, even if they are nothing like me in their experience. Now, I have to say, watching the debate live, I didn't see the exchange as comparing struggles as much as he seemed to be relating to them via his own experience to what marginalized communities feel. CBS News asked Buttigieg about Harris's accusation this morning, and the South Bend mayor pushed back, saying there's no equating those two experiences. He said, What I do think is important is for each of us to reveal who we are and what motivates us, and it's important for voters to understand what makes me tick, what moves me, and my sources of motivation and ensuring that I stand up for others. Last night... I shared that some of my sources of motivation included my personal experience, my governing experience, and my personal faith. The highly anticipated, I'm joking folks, straight pride event in Dallas, Texas last week turned out to be the most epic fail yet for the straight pride movement. Although the organizers promised discussions of abortion rights, they say it's murder, traditional marriage, only one man plus one woman, period, the end, and gender identity, there's only two! We're not sure how long those panels were, since only two people showed up. According to the Dallas Voice, the two participants weren't even from Dallas. Or Texas. The duo, presumably a part of Super Happy Fun America, which produced the Boston Straight Pride event this summer, were vastly outnumbered by approximately 20 protesters who showed up at the City Hall Plaza event. Super Happy Fun America is claiming oppression and bully tactics from the Democrat-controlled Dallas city government for gouging them with fees to host their event on City Hall Plaza and are threatening to sue even though the fees are totally legal and required of any group wanting to host an event at the Dallas City Hall Plaza. At the event, the rep was surprised to learn that a transgender rally was canceled recently because they couldn't afford the fees either. 
The Dallas Voice reports that one of the straight pride participants in Dallas yelled insults at transgender protesters saying, we know there are only two genders. He also insisted, I'm part of the oppressed majority. Because when you're 95% of the world, how oppressed can you be? To make matters worse, the local organizer of the Dallas event, Teresa Stevens Reichenberger, didn't even bother to show up herself. In a statement posted on Facebook, Reichenberger said the event had to be postponed due to the city of Dallas price gouging us and asking for enormous amounts of money. Now, we're guessing she didn't bother to tell the guys from Boston who traveled to the Lone Star State for her shindig. Reichenberger also went on to say they would regroup and set a date for some time in the future. She closed her post on Facebook by shouting in capital letters, I am not backing down and not running, semicolon, semicolon, semicolon. We will have our parade slash march soon, she added. Netflix has released the first look at the upcoming scripted comedy series, AJ and the Queen, starring RuPaul Charles. I recently reported the announcement from Netflix that the Queen of All Queens would not only be starring in the Road Trip theme series, but serving as co-creator with Michael Patrick King, who created Sex in the City and Two Broke Girls. RuPaul will play Robert Lee, also known as Ruby Red, who has spent years appearing in clubs across the country, saving his coins with the goal of opening his own drag club. But Lee's dream is dashed when two grifters swindle him out of his life savings. And so, Lee hits the road again in an attempt to start over. But a scrappy, streetwise ten-year-old escaping a difficult home life named AJ upends Lee's life as he's thrust into a new role, de facto parent. According to the official synopsis, the duo finds themselves fabulously mismatched yet perfectly paired as they crisscross the country together, often teaching each other new tricks. So two misfits, one tall, one small, sashing across the country, spreading a message of acceptance and love. The one-hour comedy, described as equally heartfelt and gritty, about finding family in the unlikeliest of people when they're needed most, also promises show-stopping performances from Mama Roo each week. It sounds a bit like a cross between BJ and the Bear and Touched by an Angel, just with a lot more sass and style. Deadline has reported that the streaming platform has ordered a 10-episode first season. Netflix announced the premiere date is scheduled for January 10th. Jenna Dewan is set to host a new hybrid reality dating show titled Flirty Dancing on Fox. Based on a British series, Flirty Dancing has its participants learn half of a dance routine, then meet their partners for the first time on a blind date at a, quote, breathtaking location, where they perform the routine without saying a word to one another. According to Fox, the dances are designed to tell a story reflective of their personal journeys to find love, while also providing clues to the other's personality. The Fox show will differ a bit from the UK format by having one person dance with two partners before choosing one to ask on a second date. And, yes, there are same-sex couples. Folks on Twitter were gaga over cute couple Gary and Ryan, who turned it out on the November 15th episode in the UK. According to the episode description, Gary finds it hard to talk to men he fancies, while Ryan 
has never had a boyfriend. But according to reports, Ryan and Gary have already been on a second date. You can check out the promo for the U.S. edition, which premieres December 29th on Fox. Where else? On The Randy Report. Out singer-songwriter Tom Goss recently released his new album, Territories. The collection is a departure from the indie coffeehouse rock we've come to know from the veteran recording artist. When I interviewed Tom earlier this year about the project, the guitar-toting troubadour shared that the new collection takes a turn into pop synth land as he journeys through the emotional terrain of polyamory. When Goss's husband asked if they could open up their marriage to include others as possible romantic partners, Goss found himself realizing he could still love his spouse while falling in love with another man. Territories is primarily reflective in tone for much of the album, as he recalls experiences and conversations in locations around the world, including Berlin, London, Mexico, and more. In addition to embracing a different soundscape, which the artist describes as electro-groove pop, Goss says that while he's written six albums about his relationship with his husband up till now, quote, to write material about intimate thoughts and feelings about someone other than my husband was so different. Goss says the piano ballad Berlin would begin what would eventually emerge as territories saying, 48 hours in Berlin turned my world completely upside down. Have you ever accidentally fallen in love? I have. This experience and song started what would eventually become Territories. The video for Berlin, alternating between black and white imagery in a private backroom cabaret setting, and Goss exploring the city with his new bow, mirrors the dreamlike and ephemeral texture of the track. It's notable that Goss, who's extolled the attractiveness of bears and more full-figured guys many times in the past, continues that pattern, versus using only gym-bound muscle men in his videos. The song La Bufadora focuses on the issue of domestic violence among LGBTQ couples. The music video, co-starring actor Daniel Franzis from Mean Girls and Looking, dramatizes a couple's Mexican vacation gone awry as the duo's disagreements turn violent. The track One Missing Thing reflects on those occasions when you might be having the time of your life and wishing you could share it with someone who wasn't there. One Plus Two explores those struggles many of us have with focusing on our imperfections. Says Goss, I almost always feel incomplete no matter how many people shower me with love. Goss says the reaction from fans has been overwhelmingly positive, and he's grateful by how people have put themselves in my shoes and understood and accepted my experience. He recently told Q Magazine that he hopes listeners will understand that love doesn't always look the same for everyone. Sometimes it looks different, he added. Whether you're in a traditional relationship or a non-traditional relationship, you should be proud of the love that you share. Territories is now available on all digital download sites. For all things Tom Goss, head to tomgossmusic.com. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't mind sharing with your friends. I like to think of this podcast as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. I'll close this episode with Berlin from Tom Goss's new album, 
territories. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time. to yours the same